Welcome to Sacred Justice, a podcast that features discourse rooted in the pursuit of justice as sacred practice. Our weekly discussions reflect on current events, art, media, theology, and how they intersect with the movements for freedom and liberation. We hope that through these conversations, we can foster inclusivity by expanding our learning opportunities. We hope to cultivate digital community beyond the confines of our campus. And we hope to reconnect the church's social and spiritual callings. Join us for the journey. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sacred Justice. We are uh, talking today with a special guest. But before I get into that, this is a new podcast. So I want to always be uh, letting you know what we are doing in this new season as we build again. Sacred Justice is a new podcast that will feature discourse rooted in the pursuit of justice as sacred practice. Our weekly discussions reflect on current events, art, media, theology, and how this intersects with the movements for freedom and liberation. We hope that through these conversations, we can foster inclusivity. We hope to cultivate digital community beyond the walls of our church, and we hope to connect our church's social and spiritual calling. So welcome back to Sacred Justice. I'm excited this week to have this conversation with the Reverend Carrie Veal. Thanks, Mia. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I knew that when we started again, I wanted to start having more guests on so we can have conversation about what's happening in our lives and the world and how that relates to spirituality and justice. So just a brief recap before we get into it. Last episode, we discussed colorblind Christianity with the Reverend Dr. Ben Boswell, and that was a powerful conversation. So if you didn't listen to it, make sure you do. But what we discovered in that conversation was that colorblind Christianity or the myth of colorblindness or myth of colorblind Christianity affects all people. Anybody can embody that. So I was talking with Ben about how even Black folk have embodied white supremacist ideals and colorblindness as an ideal and how that plays out in Charlotte. I've been you know, here for two years now and watching how uh, these things have played out in Charlotte in the church plant culture here, the multicultural church plant movement and all of that stuff. And so if you get a chance, please do go back and listen to that. We hope to do a part two on that conversation shortly. So Reverend Carrieville, tell us about yourself briefly. Who are you for the people who don't know? So I'm the Minister of Children and Community Life and um, the month of May is my seventh anniversary at Myers Park Baptist Church, which is hard to believe. Um, I jokingly say that um, I am qualified to be a minister and teach swimming lessons. Um, and so if either one of those things ever become uncool, then I am in big, big trouble. Um, I am married and um, my husband and I have one dog, Oliver, who is a 13-year-old soft-coated Wheaton Terrier. Um and I am excited to have this conversation because in the last few years, I have really expanded my definition of justice and have really begun to understand that um, that everything either is just or it's unjust. 
it's fair or it's unfair. And that as I say every week to the children, um, what is the dream that God has for the world? And the dream is for a just and fair world for everyone. So what are we doing as individuals and as a society to make God's dream for the world to come true? So, um, so it's, it's a, it's a big task, but it's a task that I love that I'm called to because I'm not answering this call alone. Mm. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for that. And also just bringing the kids into it, which is why I wanted to have you on because we have so many parents um, and guardians who listen to this uh, podcast. And so we always want to make sure we're thinking about our children mm-hmm. when we're talking about faith formation, we're talking about justice. Yeah. Right. Um, so as usual, we open up with some current event. And so Carrie, what is happening? What have you been listening to or reading that you want to share with the people as part of your reflection as you bridge the gap between spirituality and justice? So as I said that my idea of justice continues to expand and just like spirituality invades every part of our being, so does justice, at least in the way that I understand it. So just recently I was listening to um, a podcast and they were sharing a story about being a young mother um, in college and being completely exhausted. And the host said, I was so tired that a hospital stay sounded wonderful because someone would bring me my food. I would not be allowed to get out of bed and I would have a swarm of people taking care of me. And I realized that that rest falls into this category of justice because we have become a society that thrives and applauds busyness. And so that's, that's piece one. And then piece two is we don't create space for rest for those who are not able to get rest for whatever reason. They are a single parent and they work multiple jobs. They are a caregiver for someone in their home who needs 24-7 care and they can't afford to bring in help. And that's injustice because that's not applauding busyness. That's, that is um, ignoring reality for some people. And so I I just keep thinking about what are we as a community, however that's defined, offering, encouraging, and providing rest for ourselves and for others in in whatever way rest looks like for them. Because it's, it is a commandment. I mean, how can we, how can we believe that rest was okay for God, but it's not okay for us. And it's not okay for another. Um, Where is, where's the justice in that? Wow. You, when you were talking, you reminded me of, you know, Psalm 23 in which the psalmist writes, God makes me lie down in green pastures, (laughs) you know, like before we get into the good part. Well, you know, the, the popular part of Psalm 23 one of the first things David writes is God makes me lie down and we right. have trouble lying down. Sometimes it's us and sometimes it's 
like the economic environment that keeps us from doing it, um, the lack of social care, which is kind of leads into my current event. Um, but also one last thing on the rest piece is I, I followed this woman called uh, the Nap Ministry online. And so she created this platform. Her name is, I think it's Trisha Hershey. I'm gonna I'm gonna check on that and get back to y'all, but I think her name is Trisha. Um, but she has the Nap Ministry and mm. she tweets about how we are called to rest, particularly she's talking about women of color, black women, um, and how rest is resistance for many of us who, like you were saying, Carrie, aren't able to take a day off or, you know, have some go go to the spa and do self care. Right. Right, right. <laughs> So I encourage you to follow her on Twitter and other places. She posts really good reminders that we all need to be taking breaths and resting. Mm -hmm. um, my current event kind of dovetails. I This article was released, I guess, yesterday or the day before about how birth rates are declining. Like people aren't giving birth as much. Now, this has been an ongoing conversation for years and the decline started 10 years ago, right? So this is not new, but just because it's not new doesn't mean it doesn't become news over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought it was interesting this is released in Mother's Day week anyway. But um, one of the things that these articles do for me is I sit with all the things that aren't said in the article and usually um, they lack nuancing. They lack information that accompanies it. And so what we've seen over the course of the past couple of decades, there's a decline in everything. There's a decline in uh, organized religion, like people who do organized religion, there's a decline in church culture, volunteerism. I mean, the decline, the lists go on and on. And when you have these articles where you sort of single out this one particular thing without discussing the other, it doesn't really give a full picture. And so I've just been sitting with that. Like, what does that mean for us to talk about the decline in church attendance in the same conversation, right? That people right. are stepping away from faith communities that used to pressure you into getting married and having children. They're not living their lives by those rules anymore. And they're saying, I'm not economically where I want to be to even do this, even if I wanted to. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so that, that, and, that's been, go ahead. Yeah. And I, what I think is so interesting about that is, how are we talking about that in ways that is that that are helpful and not oh woe is us woe are we <laughs> whatever the grammar is there um, but instead saying um, we we honor that we honor that decision that you've made um, and we don't want to lose you from our from our faith community if if that if the wound is I don't fit into this picture that has always been prescribed to me, mm. um, and I think that's I think that's a big part of it is that we 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 just link those things right like we want people you know whenever you talk about you know church you're always saying well we want young families well how are you defining a family I mean I didn't get married till I was in my mid thirties I had dogs. I had a cat. We were a family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, and especially this week as we, you know, some, you know, there's things loading the internets about, you know, celebrating parents and things like that. Um, and how so many churches have failed a whole population. Um, and as the birth rate declines or as people are deciding not to become parents in that way or waiting later, that means that we have to change 
language. We can't talk about young families because by the time some of our people have kids, they're 40. Yeah, <laughs> they <do> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so they I'm may feel young, yeah. you know, personal experience. I don't feel old. I feel right. young. But, you know, we know but that, I, that's not what they're talking about. all the Exactly. Time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So anyway, I found that to be interesting. Yeah, that um, is interesting. Yeah. Those the, those two uh, current events sort of uh, dovetailed off mm -hmm. each other. Um, so we're going to get into it. So our, our theme for the first couple of episodes that we are uh, doing is called Beginning Again. As we prepare as a church community, um, as others prepare to begin anew, and we've been really intentional about not saying we're going back. We're right. not going back to anything where uh, we are starting again. So I, I would like to open with a quote from one of my favorite authors and theologians. Her, her name is Dr. Monica Coleman. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal woman. You should uh, definitely read some of her work. Uh, the book that I'm quoting from today is called Making a Way Out of No Way, A Womanist Theology. And in the opening of chapter five, she says, 21st century African-American women can still describe their God as one who helps to make a way out of no way. We make a way out of no way as we live in and through communities that seek to creatively transform the world in which we live. We teach, we heal, and we do it all over again. In so doing, we transform our souls, our communities, and ultimately the whole world. Hmm. We make a way out of no way as we draw upon the best of the past to positively change our world. In wow. World. So I, I picked that quote because she says that we creatively transform and we are not bringing anything back. We are not going back to anything. We are being creative in the way that we reimagine and that we can pull from the best of the past. There are some things that we want to hold on to that were really working well. And then as we move forward, we let some of that other stuff in the past go that wasn't serving us. Um, and it's uncomfortable. She talks about another chapter, it being uncomfortable. Creative transformation doesn't always make us feel good in the moment, but it's for the sake of life and the sake of survival. Hmm. And so with that, I want to open up the conversation, Carrie. Tell us about the last 14 months. And you can uh, give us anything from personal reflections to your church work as the Minister of Children and Community Life and other things. What has been going on and how are you creatively transforming? It, oh, it has been um, like, I, I don't think anybody would use a different sentence than this. It has been the strangest 14 months. Um, it has been exhausting in a way that I have never been exhausted before um, because, because of the transformative creation that is, that is happening. And that is, that's exhausting. And, and it hasn't always been a bad exhaustion, um, but it is tiring. And I, I, I think that what comes from, what sort of jumped out to me with that quote in that, and the whole idea is how often we might just give up because it is tiring. And it is just so easy. It's just much easier to say, well, we'll just, we'll just go back, you know, like, when the Israelites were just in the desert and they were like, oh, can we just go back? This is just, 
this is hard and this is tiring and we don't like it. Can we just go back? And and most of us will say, no, we don't want to go back. No, we don't. We we don't want to return to fill in the blank. Um, so for me, it was um, really focusing on the parents, um, focusing. I did things I've never done before. I um, for the first time in all my years of ministry, I acknowledged Mother's Day. And I sent this little coupon book that I thought was so cheesy and cute at the same time to every um, to every mother and grandmother in the children's ministry. And the number of parents who reached out to me and said, you will never know how much this meant to me because um, we so rarely really get anything that is truly just for us. Um, one parent shared that her child actually had said, mom, I'm going to make you a coupon book. And they got home really late on the night before Mother's Day. And um, this, this coupon book that I had mailed was sitting in their mail. And um, the mom was just able to give, you know, to just let this appear by her child's bedside table so that this, this was the gift. And her child was so excited. She said, I don't know how this happened, but this is amazing. And, and here's your gift. And it's, you know, it's so wonderful. And so um, something that was, you know, I mean, that was transformative to me because for me, it was like um, all of the wounds that, are, that surround that particular holiday um, and never wanting to elevate um, one descriptive that, uh, that a person has that another doesn't have. Um, and yet it was, it was really powerful that I, that I pushed past my own feelings and whateverness to say, this is, this is a time to do something different. Um, and, it, you know, just helping people, helping people learn that, you you can stay connected through technology. Is it is it ideal? No, but um, imagine if we didn't have this. Um, you know, if we didn't have, um, if we really did have no way to see each other beyond waving at our neighbor through our windows or across mm -hmm. the yard. Um, and then with everything that was happening in in the world in in our country and with um, with violence and social unrest and and police brutality, our children were being able to see and hear these stories and these events in in real time. They weren't hearing about it on the playground or on the bus and one kid's telling another kid. They were witnessing it while their parents were watching the news or reading an article. Um, and so it gave me this beautiful opportunity because for the last 14 months, with the exception of, you know, a handful of volunteers, it's pretty much been me doing, you know, most of the, the leading and the teaching. And so I was able to lead kids in book conversations mm -hmm. around these hard issues. Um, and that was, that was transformative and 
exhausting and scary because you, you, you know, with kids, you never know, well, what are they going to ask? What are they going to share? Um, and, but at the same time, it was giving these parents, these resources and these tools to be able to know how to have the conversations because it was stuff they had no idea how to talk to their kids about. And their kids are asking, you know, I don't understand this. I don't understand why, um, why this would happen. So that's, I think that's been one of the most, um, what I have, what I've tried to find every day is a pandemic park. What is today's pandemic park? And, and, you know, some days it was, I didn't have to put on makeup. Most days mm -hmm. it was, I didn't have to put on makeup. Um, but a pandemic perk really was having raw, honest, meaningful conversations in ways that pre-COVID-19 we couldn't have because our lives, um, let, let me rephrase that. We, it was more challenging to have because we were not making the space to mm. have those conversations. Yeah. Because we were more interested in um, being at the ball field or being out to dinner or being um, somewhere rather than present for hard conversations. And hearing parents say, um, how, how are you talking with your children about this made it. It, ga it gave it gave so many of our parents, um, other people to then know, OK, I can reach out to this person because they are like minded and um, I might not be able to have, have had this conversation at the ball field with, you know, the other parent on my kid's team because they may not be of the same mindset and the same worldview that I am. Um, so my hope and my my deep prayer is that is that we will be able to to maintain those spaces of, of conversation and that parents won't just run back to all of the things that um, that occupied their their time and their space before. Yeah, that is that is so important, Carrie. I was just talking to a parent this morning and she was talking about how like, you know, her her daughter's schedule is already filling up with things, you know, these, these, <laughs> I guess people are, I mean, my schedule's filling up kind of, but you know, the children really are, they're going back to normal or going, they really are going back. I mean, there are soccer things that are going back. Yep. There are uh, dance things that are happening. Yep. And so I am a little concerned that um, while we can have this vision for creative transformation, we are always in uh, competition, for lack of a better word, with all these other things that are that are not trying to creatively transform. Right. Or th that's not beneficial for them. <laughs> right. Well, and how and how, you know, it how do you. How it, it, it brings the question to mind of, OK, then really, how do you change a culture? Because if if a year long wasn't long enough, then how long does it take? And and what and what really has to happen um, in order for the culture to shift? I mean, I I've talked to parents who even even before March 2020 said my kid gets one activity each season. That's it. 
They want to do piano. Fine. That means you're not doing a sport. You want to do a sport. Fine. That means you're not doing scouts. And I just, I applauded them because they shared how they were ridiculed for that. Um, and, and I know that I was the over-programmed kid, you know, I had something every night of the week and, you know, and the only difference was, was that, you know, in the eighties and the early nineties, you didn't have stuff on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, at least in the South, because those were church nights and you knew your ball teams knew. And, you know, and, and even in my early days of ministry, when the traveling sports stuff started and, um, you know, and early Sunday morning soccer games and tennis matches and, and it's, it's so challenging. I find it to be very challenging because the same, because I find it, I, I think it would be incredibly hard to be a parent right now because how do you help your child make those choices when you know everything is a good choice, but what is the best choice? Mm-hmm. And how do I do that when I don't want to just have a knockdown drag out battle with my kid every single day? Yeah. How do I make that transformative creativity come about when I, as a 40 something, struggle with it? And I just have to struggle with it for me. I don't have to struggle with it for my kid because I don't have humans in my household, mm-hmm. you know, little humans that I'm, you know, responsible for. So, I mean, I don't know how, how do you, um, how do you do that? Because um, the work transformative creativity is not always entertaining. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, sometimes it goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning, Mia, about, you know, sometimes transformative creativity means you're going to rest. You're going to make a decision that is counter cultural or is counter to what to what everybody imagines your life should be. So, yeah, I, oh my God, this is this is on time, Carrie. Um, because Monica Coleman says, uh, "God may not always lead us to the ways that feel liberating. It may feel Ooh. like you're being put in time out, you know, to to say uh, you have to stay home and actually, you know, rest with the family today, or you need to not go to that thing that you think is very fun." And she says it may feel like creative transformation will feel like a judge, um, Mm. but it's leading us to a way that will improve the quality of our life, the holistic quality of our life. And so I'm I'm sure in the beginning of the pandemic for you extroverts out there, I'm sure it was very (laughs) much like you felt like you were in timeout. Yes. Um, (laughs) What is happening here? Um, But I, I do, from what I've heard from some people who consider themselves extroverts that and even from those of us who don't, that the overall quality of life has shifted in the pandemic, even with the discomfort at the very beginning, that there have been some, like you said, perks, pandemic perks mm-hmm. and um, awakenings about how we do need to spend more time at home or do need to spend more time alone. And so I was wondering if you want to share any of, of your personal discoveries. Oh, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, so, um, the, so the last time I took Myers-Briggs, which has been several years, um, I had, I scored zero in introvert. So no, not, 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 nothing in me. Um, and so when this, when this began, it was, there were pieces of it that were kind of easy because I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll just, you know, I've never, I've done zoom meetings because of groups that meet in different States, but 
I've never recorded myself on camera, so I'll have to learn how to do that. But that, you know, that's an easy, I can, I can figure out how to do that. I mean, I make selfie videos. I can, I can figure this out. Um, but then it was the, um, okay, wait a minute. I, I can't, I can't go and be with people, which is how I get my energy. So how am I going to get my energy? Um, and so I, I had to learn that um, I might have to take a couple of extra walks a day through my neighborhood to at least pass other humans, even though I'm not interacting with them. Um, I'm, I'm just imagining, you know, their energy coming out of them and just, you know, landing on me just to give me that little bit of spark and push to, to move to the next place. Um, and then I realized, oh, one of the, one of the biggest shifts for me was um, I lost my commute, which would either be my podcast time, my phone call to friend time, um, you know, things like that. And so I had to I had to learn how to incorporate those things back into my time and um, reclaimed my love of note writing and um, and discovered, you know, that how much I mean, I, I did. I will admit that I did. I totally was the, you know, learning to, you know, bake bread. And that lasted for a little bit of time and it was wonderful. And then I realized, but I have no one to share this with. Um, and so then this thing that would give me a little bit of life was also um, kind of defeating because I don't need to eat a whole loaf of bread. <laughs> and um, so I just had to keep, you know, kind of, you know, sort of adapting and changing. And and now I've realized that um, I have I feel like I've kind of found a good balance between um I want to I want to be with people, but I I'm becoming a little a little bit more selective. Um, I've learned that um, I've learned that no doesn't mean um, no never. It can mean no not right now, mm. um, and it, but it could mean no not ever. Um, and but I've also learned the the beauty of. Um, we're gonna you know my husband and I found ways to just you know go away for a few days and do a you know. Um, VRBO and um, and say, oh, this is great because I'm I'm getting away and I'm doing some work while we're traveling, and then now I'm here and I can just be away and um, it doesn't matter that there's nothing, quote unquote, exciting, but we're away and we're resting and um, and those became pandemic perks that you know it didn't have to be. Um, exciting. And because we weren't able to see family, while that was heartbreaking at, at moments, there was also this sense of relief of we can just go away just us and we don't have to we don't have to make an intentional plan to spend downtime, off time, vacation time, working in a, a busy family trip with, you know, with our nephews and our niece who we love but um, it was just nice to say, no, we can't be with anybody but each other. And um, and that was that felt like a gift at, at a lot of times. And then just to be able to say um, it's two o'clock in the afternoon and I'm brain fried because I've been awake since 
before six and I started working at seven. And so I'm going to just lay here and read a fun book, not a workbook, not yes. a thinking book, just a fun book. Or I'm going to binge on season two of Great British Baking because it is soothing. And <laughs> and um, who doesn't love a great British accent? It doesn't matter what they're doing. They could be talking about, you know, snails and it's just going to be wonderful because it's the accent. <laughs> That's funny. I've been, I'm binging, uh, re-binging Scandal right now. Oh, um, yes. Which is, which is so funny watching that years later. Um, but I, I love this piece you said about baking and uh, like your, your bread, which I have had the privilege of tasting and eating. Um, and there's something about communal salvation and survival that requires a sharing, right? So that you, the creative transformation is never just for you. It's not something that you just own for yourself, mm -hmm. but for it to be true transformation, there's a sharing that has to happen. So I know you started sharing your bread with me <laughs> or with others, with everybody, but, um, I appreciated that. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, I that that is, you know, uh, hospitality is something that um, I've talked. I did a four week children's worship series on welcome and hospitality. And um, and it was so it was so um, interesting to read all of these different scriptures that talk about feeding people and welcoming people into your home. And so I couldn't really welcome people into my home, um, but I could figure out ways to feed people um, and share that, share that gift of hospitality. So it, it was a, um, it was, it was an, it was a nice balance of I'm sharing this because I want to, not because it's, you know, I'm going to a communal meal and here's my offering, but it's just, no, I made this bread and I want to give it to you because, you know, that's just what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And so, so moving forward into this new thing that we're getting ready to do, everybody is getting ready to do in some way, mm -hmm. but moving forward, what does, what does this mean for us? What does this look like? What does beginning again look like for Reverend Carrie Veal? at church with the community in personal life? Um, <laughs> I mean, I know that's a loaded question, but even if sure. it's a snippet of a, a train of thought, I mean, I'm, I'm kind mm -hmm. of operating in trains of thought these days. And um, I know for me, beginning again, sort of looks like, like you were saying, making those boundaries clearer. I can't begin again. I can't re-enter society without uh, having to be selective about certain things for my mm -hmm. own health for the sake mm -hmm. of my survival. So what does beginning again look like for the church, for Carrie, for? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think I think for the church, um, I have spent a lot of time in the last couple of weeks really thinking about um, what are some things that I have always wanted to be different at church? You know, when you, every, unless you are um, starting from complete scratch, you know, church plant type stuff. Every minister inherits something. Yeah. Um, even if it's not a part of their ministry, they're inheriting something. And yeah. some of those inheritances um, don't need to be inherited. <laughs> and some of those inheritances um, need to be um, put away in a box and tape up the box and walk away from the box. And so I'm really 
um, thinking about the people who are going to be coming to our campus, whether they've been there most of their lives or whether it will be their first time. And, and who do I want to be the first face? Um, a masked face, but still a first face, the first eyes, we'll say it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what are they coming to? Um, not, not coming back to, what are they coming to? Um, so, I, and I want to be intentional about um, not just providing um, childcare or programming or um, welcome, but really living into what one of my mentors said, um, people go where they know they're cared for and prepared for. And what does that look like? Um, I think, you know, I think one of the creative questions for building community is, um, how are you, how are we going to build community when we we're not going to be able to sit at a big table and pass food? So how do we do that? How can we create community in new um, in new ways that are it's not centered around something that we've always known? Um, and I think that in the last fourteen months and helping our children um, think about. Um, think about Bible stories in a new way and scripture in a new way. I, that's a huge thing I want to continue and, and um, birth new things in, in terms of how our children are um, engaging with other staff, right? Like that, that they don't just see this person um, for a few minutes in a worship service, but they're actually talking with them and learning from them. And the ministers are learning from the kids and they know their names um, not just from, you know, me saying their names or they see them on, you know, social media, but they actually know, oh, this is fill in the blank and they love Star Wars and play softball and, you know, can do a backflip just on the dry land, which is just always amazing to me that children can do things like that. And so those are things that I find to be, um, transformative for everybody, for the entire community, when when we can say, what would you do if you really can begin again? What does that look like? Yes, yes. I, I love, you know, early in the pandemic, you mentioned this concept of interruption versus disruption. And no, I was forcing myself that. not to say it. I've loved it. Okay. It's yeah. With me because it's, re- it's related to this. If we are to begin again, what is a disruption and what is an interruption? And, right. You know, and, and that's different for everybody and everybody's ministry. But could you explain a little bit more about that concept? And yeah, sure. So I can't take credit for it. I heard it from um, a black minister out of a church in Brooklyn, New York. And um, he also said, which I love, that um, flexibility is a superpower. And so I, as I was watching this webinar, I said, well, hallelujah, our staff has that. So we've, we've at least got that superpower. But his whole, his, the whole idea was, um, are you as an individual viewing this time as an interruption or a disruption? Is this an interruption to your television show while you're on commercial break? Or, and this, he kind of stopped it there and I, I've kind of take it to the next place. Or is this a disruption that um, your television has exploded 
And there is no other way to watch the particular show you are watching. You cannot flip it over to your iPad or your phone or go to a different room to a different television. It's just gone. And so now what are you going to do? What what is the what is the new that you're going to find? Um, and I just I love that because. Because we will probably never have that opportunity again. And so whatever we well, um, let me I'm going to I'm going to rephrase that. We will never have this opportunity again. Um, but what I hope is that we don't that we that we have the flexibility within ourselves and within whatever community we're, we're finding ourselves in to say, no, we are going to have the superpower of flexibility and say, this is what we're doing and it may or may not work. Mm. So what if it was this kind of an always beginning again? Like you find the, you find the pattern that works. Like for me, um, I was in a really good pattern of going to the gym and do and doing a class at 615 in the morning. That was great for me. It worked for me. Um, is it going to work forever? I don't know. It, but it but it was a new it was a new thing and it worked. And and I'm going to be flexible to say that might not work in two weeks. So what is it that I need? I need the exercise. I need, mm. I need what happens when I get sweaty and my heart starts racing and all those endorphins go, but I don't need to be so mired in, it has to happen at this time in this way at this location. Instead, it's, I'm finding ways for it to happen. Yeah. Yes. I, yes. So the, the, we're always beginning in part is what got me. Um, I, I just, I'm a firm believer that we're always in Genesis, right? We're always in our Genesis moment. Um, and, and I guess for, that's, that's always my theological reflection. This entire pandemic has been Genesis, but also even when I was looking at revelation the other day, 21 and, you know, then there'll be a new heaven and new earth. And, uh, you know, there, there's always a new heaven and a new earth that's being yeah. formed because we are right. ever evolving people and our lives are evolving and the world is evolving. And so if we could approach life and church or faith and justice as we are always beginning, what would that, how would that liberate some people? I feel like our people, some people need to be liberated from tradition, liberated from rigidity, right? That you are always reimagining. Right. Right. Well, I th you know, I am not um, I am not a gardener. I want to be I w I, and more about like plants and flowers than than food. Um, food feels like a lot of pressure. So but I, I'm really learning about, you know, annuals versus perennials and, you know, shade and full sun and, and all these different things. And so I I think about how nature has figured this out. Right. Nature has said, okay, there, th there's a time when everything just kind of has to go away and not be pretty. Um, and there will be some things that are always pretty and always there. Okay, so what if we were to take that concept and say, what are the things that we want to always be strong and green and sturdy and reliable? Those are the things of God, right? Those are the things that never change forgiveness and love and mercy and inclusivity 
and justice. Okay. So what are the things that have to go away and, and are going to need some, you know, cause it's not like you just walk away from even this, the, you know, the, the stuff that goes away and then it comes back, you have to do something to it. Mm-hmm. So how are we tending to it in order to make it beautiful um, in a new way? Cause there'll be a new bloom. There'll be a bit, it'll grow. It will expand it. You know, so have you have, is the root strong enough to see something come from it? Um, or is it just, you know, it, you had it there and it died and you said, you know what, it was, it was fine, but I'm not, I'm not interested in bringing that back again mm. because I found this other thing that is, um, is hardier and it's, um, it's going to bring more to this space than what that other, than what that other thing brought. And yeah, I think we just get so mired in, um, the, you know, the belief in that, you know, it was, it was better. Well, what was better? Yeah. 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 It's, it's so freeing to, to think of it as the seasons and to think of how we could be viewing things like nature Mm -hmm. Um, and things will take care of themselves. The things that are, that are meant to stay and and last are going to return. Yep. Um, and, and so I, that's a that's a beautiful ending point for me, um, especially as I think about Revelation and I think about the tree of life and how mm. trees come back. And now we're, we're we're in this spring season. We're getting ready to enter into this new beginning with the church. And so to think about the trees and the flowers blooming at the same time, it's very helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. And to not be. Um, and I think, you know, as I'm going back to this, you know, nature reference as I'm doing a lot of reading about what I want to plant in this um, new space that I have that has happened during the pandemic. Um, I am, I am not, I am not wanting to be um, mired in what I am, what, what I imagine I want it to look like if it doesn't end up looking like that. Mm. Because great. I love this. Look at how beautiful this plant is. And then it says it needs six to eight hours of full sun. And the space that I have is never going to get six to eight hours of full sun. So am I going to force something to try and grow in a way that it's not going to grow? Or am I going to be flexible Mm. and say, well, what could the new thing be? This is what I imagined, but look at this other new possibility because what I imagined is just not going to be possible. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you for Um, inviting me. Yes. Beginning again, flexibility, creative transformation, or uh, you said something else, transformational creativity or something you said. (laughs) I probably got the quote wrong. So (laughs) that's fine. fine. uh, These are, these are things that we want to leave you with creative transformation, transformational creativity, flexibility, disruption and interruption. This is all a part of our growth and our Genesis moment that we are in. So we hope that you enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Mia. Um, And we hope that you will listen and tune in again next conversation for our other special guests that you will hear next week. Thank you all again. This is Sacred Justice. 
friends, that was our episode this week. As always, please email your questions and your suggestions to Reverend Mia McLean at mmcclain at myersparkbaptist.org. Until next time, take care. This is Sacred Justice.